0: Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. What is up, everybody? Welcome back for today's show. I'm super excited to get you into this one. I got on one of my long-term friends and teammates, Kirk McDonald. This guy has been through a lot. He fought through cancer during his college years and managed to still come back, make it pro, and now he's still in the in in the hockey world and he's coaching. So, man, so good to connect with this guy again. You guys are going to love it all you hockey players or sports fans. This will inspire you. We dive into some cool stuff. We talk about our own personal journeys and we also talk about coaching styles and All kinds of things. So make sure if you're a fan of sports and inspiration, you hang on to this one till the end. So really excited. I'm going to read a review, as always. We're going to go for Awesome and Different from Levushka. Super motivation and super different. Not cheesy and annoying podcast. Relevant and fresh. Appreciate that, Levushka. Always, guys. Keep those reviews coming. I love the five-star. love the reviews. And mostly... Just so that we know how you feel and I want to see which, in, which episodes impacted you. So make sure you uh, leave a five-star review or if you thought it was one star, leave a one-star review, you know? <laughs> I mean, I want honest feedback from it and hit that subscribe button and let's help this thing get into as many lives as possible. So we're going to get right into this episode with Kirk McDonald. Really excited for you guys just in one moment after our sponsor. How would you like to make direct impact of our youth today? So important, right? Well, here's your chance. It's called Aprons for Gloves. What this is, is this is a nonprofit organization created by the Eastside Boxing Club. The whole mission of this is in the community to help improve lives and build community through boxing, right? By having um, a space that supports these members and community involvement, the participants get to collaborate in these different fundraising campaigns so that we can actually see how this impacts the youth, which is really cool. The four programs that are going to be offered, after-school boxing program for the at-risk youth, young adults class for youth working to improve their mental health, free self-defense for females, and number four will be moms and tots program. Really awesome thing. So how this works is the event itself is going to be called the Restaurant Rumble. Now, this has been going on for eight years, and it's been growing. It's going to be at the Commodore Ballroom, August 20th. So, people that work in the bar industry, restaurant industry, past or present, decide they get together and they commit for three months to train at Side Boxing Club while raising money. Now, the goal is to hit 2000 bucks. Once you hit 2000 bucks, you qualify for a fight. Okay? And depending on how well you've done and how much effort you put in, you may get a contender fight. So, I've decided to do this. It's crazy. I know. I, I was just like, wow, when I heard this at first... I said, I didn't know if I wanted to do it, And now I'm doing it and it's amazing. And it's just such a good cause. It goes with my cause with university of adversity, making impact. And that's what I want to do. I want to give, make impact and do so many things for the youth. It's just, this is a perfect starting point for me and I'm so excited about it. So what I'm going to do is putting on, I'm going to be raising the money. Hopefully you guys will want to donate. I'm going to be giving this shout out every single episode until August 20th. I'm going to be putting on an event, all this kind of stuff. I'm gonna update this as we go on, but the main thing here is this is a great cause. A lot of times growing up, we would have gotten into trouble. I know myself, if I didn't have sports, if I didn't have hockey, soccer, all these things, or at least mentors or people offering these programs, then I would have gotten into trouble, right? Because a lot of times you get into trouble when you have too much time on your hands. These young minds wander, right? You just wanna, you don't have an outlet. And giving this this outlet is gonna create discipline going to teach them about nutrition. There's so many amazing things. And at the same time, we get to train for an amazing cause and raise money. So there's going to be a link. There's a link in my link tree guys, please donate. I really, really appreciate it. This is for the kids. And I'm going to share this journey. As you guys probably know, you're going to be seeing all kinds of different stuff happening with transformation and stories and videos on my Instagram and Facebook. So it's really exciting. So I hope you guys will join me for this ride and donate Aprons for Gloves 2019 for the Restaurant Rumble. Thanks, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest is a true inspirational hero and a true testament to what this show is all about. He grew up excelling at hockey where he advanced to the junior A level that eventually landed a scholarship in RPI which is known as one of the top engineering schools in the world. After continuing to excel and chase his dream of playing in the NHL, he was faced with a big scare that almost took his life. He soon found out that he had testicular cancer and had to miss the entire season. But because of his character and his ability to be able to fight through challenges, that wasn't the end for him, and he refused to give up. After having to miss the entire season doing treatments, he came back to finish off his senior year and received several accolades as RPI's most inspirational player, a community service award, and was nominated and selected as a finalist for the Hockey Humanitarian Award, which is bestowed on college hockey as most notable citizen. He went on to play pro of hockey for six years. He had stints in the American Hockey League, ECHL, signed a contract with the Boston Bruins in 2011. Throughout his pro career, he was able to play at a few different teams, different leagues, which made him an asset for his next step in his career, which is now coaching. Today, he is the head coach of the Reading Royals of the ECHL Hockey League, which is affiliated with the Philadelphia Flyers of the NHL. And he continues to excel as a true leader and ambassador of the game. I'm so excited to have him on. He's been a lifelong friend of mine. We've known each other for many years and played together, so I'm super humbled to have him here. Kirk McDonald, welcome to the show, bro.
1: Thanks for having me, and uh, I should hire you as my agent with that uh, introduction. That was awesome. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man. Like we said before in the chat, we, before we started recording, I was thinking about people that I know, because a lot of times I connect with people that I don't really know that well, and I get to know their story, but then I was thinking, who do I know that has this amazing story? And then I thought of you and, and I was like, fuck, this is going to be awesome. So I'm so excited to dive in, man. And like I said in the intro as well, a lot of people, like we grew up playing hockey together. So there's not a lot of people that know me from that time of my life. So it's super, super interesting and fun to have you on. So I just want to maybe just take us back, man. Maybe take us back to kind of growing up. Take us as far as you want, even to when we met in, you know, with hockey and kind of tell us about your journey up until you know where you are now and we'll kind of piece it in between there
1: yeah i mean to go all the way back i know you know like we played i think what peewee you know four years together Wee bantams together so basically kind of that time when you really decide whether you want to play or you know how much you really like doing something and as you know like it was growing up like it was pretty intense like that stuff we're in the, open, to the western hockey league and all those junior teams and Looking back, it's like who really didn't matter. But I think the one thing I I just said before we went on uh, live, it was just so much fun. I look back like that was the best time. Was just playing hockey. Like it didn't nothing else really mattered. It wasn't a business. Like we were just having fun, and that's why I kept playing. And I played. I was lucky enough to get some opportunities, and lucky enough to get an opportunity to go to school for for free to a great school in the NCAA, and had a lot of success there. And met some great people. Some of my best friends went there and again, got an opportunity to play professionally. Where really lucky. I got paid to play a game and I'm still, I'm, now I'm just getting paid to coach a game, right? Like at the end of the day, it's, it's been a great journey. And there's been some obstacles, like you said, and, and getting sick and, and everything. And it's, you know, at the time was devastating and it was brutal, but at the same time, now there's a lot of life lessons that you take from it, in my opinion. and and. Maybe certain things didn't work out the way you wanted to, but on the other hand, a lot of really good things happened. And you know, you sit and dwell on it, and but you learn a lot about yourself and, and the people around you in that situation. And it probably made me a better player in person, better leader. Going through it is just having some life perspective at a young age that probably most people aren't going to have. And, uh, probably is a reason why I've been able to maybe have some success in coaching to move into it because of some of that stuff that happened. And, and I, uh, you know, I guess that's kind of the Coles Notes version, really. Like the pro, like I said, I, I can't look back and feel like any of it was bad or a minor hockey experience. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I loved it. And uh, like I said before, like that was the most fun, just going on the weekends and going to tournaments and staying in the hotel with – playing two hockey games a day. And
0: yeah. that was awesome,
1: you know, and now sometimes you get into that grind and now it's a job and, and it is a job, but you know, it's a good job, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, you're finding something that you really enjoy doing and, and teaching guys and staying involved with something you love. So that's about it from the sum up the last 20 years or so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
0: It's hard to sum it up for sure. And it's something that you don't really talk about much, right? You kind of think about it, but, it's hard to sum up. And what I find interesting is when we we're in such a hurry to grow up, you know, I remember like you really? brought up getting drafted. And this will be a good, this, I want to dive into this as well. Is that there's so much pressure at it when we we're teenagers, man. Like, you got to get drafted by the WHL at this age. If you don't draft it by this, you're not going to make it. And there's just so much fucking bullshit that's being told us and so much pressure that it really doesn't matter because a lot of the players that weren't even good at that age ended up making it to the NHL, and the players that were good didn't make it.
1: I laughed back. like, Yeah. You would have do remember Ryan O'Byrne, who was a year yeah. younger. It's like, you didn't make the AAA team just for Nothing, you know, played in the NHL for six years. You yeah. know, like, I think it was six years. He was solid, player. too. A really good player. You know, I yeah. played against him at Cor- He was at Cornell, and it was like, he was a stud. You know, like, just... Yeah. Not many guys that are six foot five or six six and skate like the wind, you know what I mean? But yeah, nobody thought that when he was 14, 15 years old. It's everybody's in such a hurry to grow up or get to the next team or whatever that you know you forget to stop and and smell the roses, I guess, is to say.
0: Yeah,
1: get to where we need to be when we need to get. I think it's more about being prepared for that next step in hockey or in life than it is about getting there as fast as you can. Because if you get there and you're not ready, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> you know, they find somebody else. And I think that's uh, – and like I said, that's not just in hockey. That's, that's a life thing. And then you see it with a lot of kids now, especially the way you can find out about everybody, right, with the internet. Like yeah. when we were growing up, like I remember the uh, WHL draft. And like I didn't even know when it was. But I, I remember after it happened, people were like, did you get drafted? I'm like, I don't know. And then I got these letters in the mail to go to training camps. I'm like, I guess I didn't get drafted. <laughs> we to Spokane together for the Western. Yeah, we did.
0: We did. We were greener. 14 or uh, 15.
1: Green. Yeah. I Green Tree was there too. I think yeah. the three all went. And everybody's like, oh, who's this guy? Who's that guy? And it was like, now you're looking like we're 14, 15 years old. Like, it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's so funny looking back and everybody on coaching kids and they're all freaking out about everything. It's like, you get there when you get there.
0: Yeah. And this is where I find it really interesting, man, is because throughout that pressure after junior, you get a, a big scholarship and that you must've been feeling that pressure when you got the scare. Right. Because you had to miss a whole year and most people would have been like, fuck, I'm done. Like I'm done because man, I remember seeing you and I was like, Whoa, cause you, I remember you were like a bigger guy. Like, you weren't like you were just like a solid human man like a rugby big hockey guy and when I saw you I was like holy man and to see you the way I saw you in then there and to be able to miss a whole season and during that time of people and pressure and talking about how every year matters so much to be able to come back and excel is crazy man so like how much pressure did you feel like obviously getting over the illness was the main priority, but like how much pressure and what were you thinking about? Were you thinking about making a comeback or was that sort of just something that happened once you got better?
1: To me, obviously getting diagnosed is devastating. It sucked. Yeah. Because to be honest, looking back now, it's funny because with all the sports networks and Twitter and everything, uh, they talk about all these kids that are free agents and the college free agents. And it's a big deal now. And I remember I had really good numbers as a college free agent. I was one of those guys they might be talking about now. And when our season ended and I didn't have an advisor or an agent and all these advisors are, are reaching out to me, recruiting me to like not sign me, but represent me. And then I would sign with them as an agent when I was done school and these NHL teams are interested. And I I remember meeting with Anaheim's assistant GM end of March it was the NHL lockout, it was the year of the year got canceled. It was 0-4-0-5. Oh, yeah, so right. there's no NHL going on anyways like they didn't know when there was gonna be a new C B A sign. But I'm sitting there with this guy, Dave McNabb, and he's he was one of the kind of the guy that first started signing these NHL free agent guys, these Dustin Penners and a couple other guys that ended up becoming well oh, this guy thinks I'm good. Oh, uh, this guy's got yeah. a track of finding these guys, I think Chris Kunitz might have been one of those guys, like guys who played in the NHL for a long time.
0: Oh, wow, yeah.
1: He's talking, like, well, we'd love to sign you eventually. And when this gets worked out, next week I got diagnosed. So I was like, well, I guess that's not going to happen. And, like, when I got diagnosed, I had had back pain for, like, four months. And being a hockey player, we're all idiots. And I'm just thinking, well, it's a got hit. I got to, you know, battle through it, you know and that's hockey and especially you know now that's 15 years ago like now we laugh but the old school mentality was like if you get out of bed and you can walk you can play yeah you know? and it was like we'll get it figured out when the season's over because i'm not missing any games yeah and then started getting all these tests mris everything everything was negative like what the hell is wrong with you uh, you got a an ulcer or something that's just causing all this pain finally you got a, a ct scan and there was a A massive tumor in my lymph nodes where the cancer had spread Shit, like this is bad like it wasn't like okay like the doc called my mom before I got diagnosed before I knew he called my mom my mom took the red eye from uh, Victoria and met me at the doctor's office the next morning I found out like she knew two hours probably before I knew what the diagnosis was and and they were kind of worried because Obviously, the, the Lance Armstrong story was still pretty prevalent at the time, and you know you read the story about what happened. Everybody's worried. You know they thought it would spread in my lungs and my brain just because of how big the tumor was. They just, people kind of assumed that I was like whatever. Like I'm going for these chest X rays, kind of thinking I'm clueless, like not paying attention. And then they all come back negative, and it was like a huge relief. So it was still not great. Had to go through surgery, the four chemo rounds, and then went in the hospital. A surgery And the tumor was so big, I had a nine and a half hour surgery at, at Vancouver General and uh, came out, got all the cancer. There's actually not really any much cancer left, but there's so much scar tissue that they were like scraping away everything off the organs because they didn't know what was cancerous or, or scar tissue. But it ended up coming back, like all the stuff they ended up removing, like less than 1% was cancerous. But they had to get rid of it. it. took a long time. So I ended up spending 65 days in the hospital after that. But we'd laugh now, but none of it was actually cancer related. It was complications from the surgery, uh, had some infections. Just I was out for 10 hours. Stuff stopped working, you know, like, and it took a while to get everything out in order. I guess is the best way to say it, for the body to fix itself. And uh, at that point, I was 130 pounds. I'd lost 75 pounds. I, mean, it sounds, I don't want people to think this sounds terrible, but if you see pictures of people who were in a concentration camp, like that's what I look yeah. at. Well, you know, and it's. <laughs> 75 pounds. The reality like,
0: yeah. of it is that's what. Yeah,
1: yeah. Was, I always, it's like God. it was brutal, and I, I was kind of like, well, when am I going to get to play hockey? Again? And they're like, kind of looked at me like I was crazy. But I was like, well, what the hell else am I going to do? Like, I remember the night, the night I got out, I went in on like August second, and the NHL obviously now had come back, and they're an opening night, and it was the last night I was in the hospital. It was the opening night at 0506 because I remember sitting and I watched. The Leafs play the Senators, and then the Knucks played somebody. I don't know why I remember that, but I remember sitting in my hospital room like, I let to go home tomorrow. My mom was coming to pick me up from the Gorge took the ferry over, and, and picked me up, and we went home. But uh, it was a long process. Like, there was never doubt. I, guess, I think the biggest thing for me was that was a kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel to, like, work for through all that. Like, I'm going to play again, or I want to play again. Right? If that wasn't there, you kind of made me lose hope. You know, and once I kind of settled into the fact I wasn't going to play hockey in 05, 06, I kind of was like, all right, well, I'm going to get ready for October of 2006 and get ready to play. And it was, that made it a lot easier. It was just, yeah, there's days where it sucked and dropped off of school and went back for the spring semester and basically did all my requirements to graduate with the exception of one or two classes and worked out in the morning, worked out in the afternoon, and went to class in between and did my best And, uh, a lot of support from the school. Uh, they they were great, like my coaches uh, and uh, my teammates. Uh, they helped a lot. Like it made it, made it easy because they just made, treated me like I was on the team. So even though yeah. I wasn't playing, like it was just you went with your normal routine. You just didn't play games. Yeah, and,
0: uh,
1: you know it was funny. And then it got to the time to make play my first game, and it was cool. Like the, the rink was sold out. It was the first time the was sold out. In my peers on an opening night. And it was really cool. Like and. My parents came down for my second and third games back after the year. We were playing at University of Denver. And um, they ended up seeing my surgeon from that surgery that was 10 hours near Canada Lounge at the Vancouver Airport. Wow. My mom went up to him and he's like, hey, I don't know if you remember us, but we're you know, Kirk's parents. He did this. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember you guys. Like, you're not going to forget that. And you know, we're going to see Kirk's games in Denver. Either He was like, holy shit. He's like, never thought he'd play hockey yet. When I, when the last time I saw him, and it was like, that was pretty cool. You know, like this guy was a world-class surgeon, was is a world-class surgeon, a doctor. He's, just remarkable stuff. And, and he was like, no chances. So that was really cool. And yeah, it took a lot of work, but it was worth it. You know, I mean, do you, that's think, what I was
0: do you think that the fact that you, you weren't even thinking like, were you thinking that you may not live or are you like, hey, man, I know I'm going to live. I'm just whether I'm going to play again. Like, yeah, I don't know. Do you think, that, do you think <laughs> that had like, because with cancer, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, you know, losing my dad and, and all this kind of stuff with cancer. It's a real fucking bastard of a illness, man. Like, and I'm trying to wrap my head around the stories people go through because some make it, some don't. Like, how much belief did you have that you were going to live? I mean, it's funny.
1: Uh, it's a great question. Like, I, I remember getting diagnosed, and, and the doctor. It's funny, and the doctor's a great guy, and we still talk to this day. He's the school's head of the medical health center at the school, Dr. Lawrence. And I got diagnosed, and he's telling me, and our team's trainers in there is kind of, I guess, support. Uh, something to you familiar with, and the three of us are in the room, and I'm, I'm obviously rattled, and you're he's going to tell me I had a herniated disc or something like that surgery or okay I'll be back training in a couple months and then you get this you're completely dumbfounded, right yeah and you're in shock and he's like you know you're going to get back like it's RPI like it's a it's a good school right so yeah. he's talking about you know you're going to get better you're going to graduate and you'll get a great job and go work and do this and like we were out having beers after I graduated which I just I was like <laughs> I told him I'm like just so you know, when you told me that I was gonna get a good job and graduate, I wanted to punch you in the face. Because like I was thinking about when am I gonna play and like yeah. that was my mindset. Like and yeah. I told him I'm like, Fuck you, man. And but and like we laughed about it, right? Like he's like, yeah. Oh, I never thought about it like that because I'm used to dealing with this regular students at school. We didn't know each other until this time. Like we had no previous yeah. relationship and the relationship built off of off of me getting sick and yeah unbelievable guy and but I think that mentality like after you're really shook initially like yeah I was shook and then there was one time I went on WebMD to actually see what I had that really freaked me out because there's no like oh hey it just gives you the general um, yeah Fuck this. I, ain't, I ain't going looking on WebMD ever again that one that was the only night where I was really scared it was yeah. like I had a couple chemo rounds and I just was like on the internet at night at home just sitting there watching TV and I'm just going
0: as anybody would, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, so you know what? So nope, you're I'm not awesome doing that the again. Best of us.
1: Because I know when they're saying like my diagnosis, you know, testicular cancer is very treatable, but it's not necessarily very treatable when it gets to where I got. And I was probably more 5050 when I got yeah. diagnosed than say usually it's like almost you catch it early, it's like 99% success rate of, of you know curing. Yeah, And I definitely wasn't in that range when I got diagnosed and people check yourself. And if you have any issues, go see the doctor. Don't be the hero. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes there's a time to be a hero. That ain't it.
0: Yeah. That's not it. So yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry,
1: I I just, I never felt like I almost went into hockey mode for the whole time. I I was like, there's a little bit of sulking and feeling sorry for myself early on just because it was like, I was tired from the chemo, but Jeff Compton, like, he was really great. Like he'd be like, all right, if your chemo, you know, you're feeling good in between chemos, come to the gym and just train with the boys, just do all the exercises. Don't lift any weights or like yeah. lift the bar, you yeah. know, everybody else would be pushing huge weights. And I'm just, I'm just trying yeah. to get a sweat and get my heart rate keep up. But them, it
0: was... you keep your mind as exactly. you're still yeah, alive. Like, you're not dead. You're still alive. Yeah,
1: Exactly. So like anytime I could do something, I'd be at the gym with the guys. And then yeah. after I finished my chemo, I had like six weeks before my surgery I got myself into good enough shape before the surgery where like, I was like, man, like if this surgery goes well, I'll be ready for opening night. Like, and because I felt so good. And that didn't work out the way you were, I was hoping, but to me, I kind of kept a little bit of a routine of normalcy instead of just like hunkering down in a room by myself and being like, Oh, what was me? And I think the hockey mentality just like not hockey, but the competitive mentality. Well, yeah, that's to me, it was like, I did a lot, like, you know, you're just sitting and mentally visualizing, like, I read a book it was was about visualizing the cancer going away. Yeah. Sitting there and imagining your chemo is going into you and your body's breaking it up and positive thoughts. It wasn't prayer or anything like that, but it was like literally believe in the process of getting better. Yeah. And half of the battles, your body just, there's a lot to be said for that positive reinforcement.
0: It's all energy, right? Like your body's all
1: energy. Yeah, it was wild. You know, <laughs> like you look back, it was a crazy six months, and then it was another crazy, you know, eleven you know, seven months basically. And then I started rehabbing and trying to get better, and then that was a different task because it was starting to get frustrating because I've been I started just working out where I was used to playing hot. It was a mental grind more than anything for each of the each step of the way to get better. But. Like, I don't think I was at the point where I was like, oh, even when the worst, I was never like, I'm, I'm freaking out. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I should have been. But I think sometimes it's harder on the family than it is on the person yeah. going through it, which is, I feel at least I have some control. Maybe I don't, but I'm the one going through it. So, you know, you can deal with some stuff. Maybe that like the people who are, really, they can't do really, you
0: know, yeah.
1: but they can help and be supportive, but it's, don't know how you're feeling and you know i I don't know or i was just oblivious
0: (laughs) there's no question that you would have as athletes and these are the intangible things that we don't realize that we're learning in sports like i look back in hindsight now and i'm like man i learned a lot all that commitment we had visualization teamwork drive commitment all that stuff we learned as kids growing up in hockey that we didn't think mattered matters in a situation like that because Absolutely. you're determined. You're like, I, I, this is, I'm, I got a goal here and I'm going to get through it. And that's half the battle I believe, you know, and that's why I, I wonder, I try and compare different people's situations. And I really think that that environment that we have growing up and learning those skills is so important for later in life, not just with beating like an illness, but so many things that you go through all of a sudden you have that installed in you and you are a lot more of an asset and stronger when shit hits the fan than the average guy that hasn't been programmed that way.
1: Absolutely. Like, it's not just guys that played college or got to pro. Like, you know, most of the guys I, I spend time with now that I go home played at some sports at a high level and they're all having a lot of success, whether they've started their own business or they're, they're just doing things and, and they're successful. And a lot of, I feel like those intangibles like you said, come from, that team environment and that kind of just having to maybe have some accountability and work ethic where you don't even think about it. None of us thought about it when we were
0: 15
1: and we're just, (laughs) you know, we're going to some tournament or or whatever. You're playing these games and and it's competitive. And yeah, like it doesn't mean anything, but at the time you feel like this is a high pressure situation and you're dealing with it as a teenager. Like those are important things that you can't teach in a classroom.
0: You can't. And it's amazing. And it's funny because it's rare that you feel that feeling, that competitive feeling. I don't get it much anymore because I don't play a lot, but I I do play in a men's league team and we're in the finals and in the playoffs. I haven't felt that. I haven't played hockey seriously for a long time. So to get that feeling again, that we had so much as a kid and you get all the time because you're still in it is amazing. That like, I don't know, I can't even explain it, man. That rush that you get, that like, when you're faced with a challenge of like in an important game or whatever, even though like well, what I play isn't that important, obviously, it's still when you're doing your best. It's like you're forced to do your best for your team, you know?
1: It yeah, is. I think everybody doesn't matter what you're playing, like yeah, everybody gets that competitive juices going and you wanna mm. you wanna win. And
0: yeah, no, for sure. Like
1: said for those experiences.
0: I admire Compton, man. Compton was doesn't get enough credit for what he did. And he he had so much Like, I think he had a lot to do with a lot of the success that came out of Victoria with so many players because the way he dealt with things and his energy and he really understood how to connect with the players in a way that was, I don't know. He, he was, he was unique, man. He wasn't about yelling and screaming in your face. He was about, I don't know. He could connect with all of us and he was teaching us stuff that we hadn't been taught. And I always respected the guy and, you know, to hear that he did that for you and kind of keep you in that environment keep your mindset in by, you know, coming in and making the effort to keep you in with the guys and training. It's super important. And, you know, those kind of things are so, so valuable that we don't really realize at the time that when people are doing it, you know?
1: Oh yeah. Compto was, he was awesome. Like, and I think he was kind of a little bit ahead of his time with just even just how he treated us, you know, like, like communicated really well, built relationships with the guys. So yeah. then you want, when it to that time. We we're in the gym and it's time to really beat the shit out of us. He knew he was doing it because he cared it, you know he wanted us to get better at what we were doing instead of being like this guy's just yelling at us like yeah totally kind of got you that's kind of like we were used to just getting yelled at all the time right like i know like, he was like all right we're joking around he'd make funny names for like some sort of workout that sucked it was like okay we're going to be theater of pain today yeah. and, you know <laughs> yeah. like or squatter falls like you call it because we were doing so many squats and stuff and it was like so then we were thought it was fun. Like, you made the most miserable things that you could do fun. And you're, like, you look back, and now it's, like, I still work out. And it's, I, I still work out a lot yeah. when I don't have to. And I think a lot of it is because of the, that kind of stuff that we did. He made it kind of, like, cool. It made it cool to, like, train and, and, and get better and work at your stuff that you're, like, now I'm like, oh, I might as well keep going. <laughs> you know, I've, I don't need to work out. I've I'm, I'm done playing, but I still want to kind of – well, it's almost like competitive. Like I want to stay yeah. – like.
0: So, yeah, man. No, totally. I totally agree with you on that. And so, okay, I remember seeing you. So you're being treated. You're training. You're trying to get back to the next season. Okay, so you're going into the season. Everybody's jacked up about you coming back. Everybody's talking about it. Everyone's like, man, this guy's amazing. What What the fuck? He's come back. He's leaner, better than ever, whatever. What was going through your mind starting that season? And did that almost alleviate alleviate some of the pressure off you because you knew that, man, you can't fail right now because you could have been dead. So you're going into this season like everything is like a bonus for you almost. Because I, I feel like if I went into where you did, I'd be like, man, I'm alive. I, I have nothing to lose here. I'm just going to just destroy this league right now you know like how did you feel yeah.
1: going in? it was kind of funny because I, I knew I was in unbelievable shape and I actually went first week before school starts San Jose was having their development camp and they invited me in as like a college kid and parents paid for all of it so there's no violations of the NCAA all that stuff Went really well like Matt Carl was there and Joe Pavelski uh, Milan Mahalik like guys who ended up being studs Josh Georges was there Oh yeah, and I was like, man, I haven't played in eighteen months, and I can play with these guys. I like, was, this, okay. this is okay. I went back to school, and it was funny because they they fired our coach, who actually did it. it was awesome at helping me going through it, and he got he got he got let go after the season. I didn't play, so it was a whole new staff. Actually, Jim Montgomery was the assistant coach, uh, was in Dallas now, obviously, and it, it was it was. It kind of got – the school was starting to – obviously, there's some good PR. So there was a lot of media attention, which I wasn't used to in the community. Like, there was four maybe, you know, TV stations in all the Albany area. And the first practice, we had a skill session with four guys. And, like, all these cameras and stuff and reporters come storming into the dressing room before we go on the ice. And I'm just like, what's going on? I was rattled. Like, yeah. rattled because I'm like, I didn't even know how to deal with any of this stuff. I know,
0: man. I remember you yeah. back then. You were just such a – such a guy, introverted guy like you're like fuck,
1: I don't and, and i was like i didn't want to deal with this stuff right <laughs> and and it's in, and i was rattled i remember being so rattled it was like the first official team session and i hadn't had an official team session in a year and a half and i just wanted to go play hockey and they're like jamming them i was, i remember being really rattled about it but the first game i remember i woke up at like six in the morning and it's like a college student like who wakes up at 6 a.m like you're awake you get up at nine that's an early morning right at that age you know you're in yeah. school and everybody stays up late and sleep too late and I was awake at like six and I was like this is going to be awesome I was excited it really was like I said it was standing room only the place was going nuts and um I was nervous though like not gonna lie like I hadn't played in a year and a half like you yeah. practiced and all now like now the bullets are flying and it yeah. was uh I think I had two points the first game, but it was, it was awesome though. Like it was really, really cool. And like you said, there wasn't really any pressure, but there was at the same time because there kind of had been so much talk about it and other people had kind of built it up where I was looking forward to just playing hockey. And then it kind of took on a bit of a life of its own that season on campus and stuff like that. And not that anybody did anything wrong. Like it was awesome and, and everybody was great. But I think, it put some pressure on me to like yeah. be the guy and be the man and like it was like just instead of just kinda of going out and playing. And I was a senior and I missed my senior year, so like you know, I sat out the year and got the year back. But it was like now it's, you know, some people are always supposed to be the better. Some people's like, is he even be able to be any good? Like it was, no,
0: totally it, like it
1: was weird. It was kind of, it was weird because of the new coaching staff. So you're kind of feeling out these guys too, yeah. after they didn't really know what I went through, they were just kind of there and they were great. Like, again, like I still talk to the head coach, um, who I had that, yeah, you know, like we talked the other day
0: yeah. and
1: uh, he runs a national development program you know, in the U S and, and, um, we're just talking. we just talk. We still talk. Right? Like, so the relationship's great. You know, and, um, but it was, you know, it was interesting because you wanted it, like you said, like, yeah, it was kind of playing with house money at that time. Yeah. But at the same time, I think human instinct takes over and you still end up putting pressure on yourself.
0: For sure. You know,
1: no matter what. Cause now it's like, well, I gotta, I gotta prove everybody. I want to prove to everybody that I can still do it. And it wasn't just happy. to be. You know, I think, yeah. like I said, the competitive instinct that helped me get through it. Also, added the pressure. I put my the pressure on myself to now go and be really good. And it was the same. like it was probably affected me in a bit of a negative way. Where it helped me get through it. Now I thought it almost maybe might have been a negative um, once I actually started playing again. I wanted so bad to be good and be like the guy I was before I got sick. You know? Yeah. And um, not that it was a bad year. It was just you have those kind of
0: yeah for sure you're, you're comparing yourself to before but i mean at the end of the day i mean like you just can't, you battle back from like a life-threatening thing so it's like you can't be too hard on yourself but our yeah, exactly. as hockey players growing up it's like
1: exactly now i look back and i'm like holy crap like that was awesome you That's know crazy, what i mean like right? hindsight being what it is yeah and you go back and you're like oh that was that was something yeah. it was cool and, and I, I don't preach to my players like i did this but if it comes up, we'll, we'll talk about it. you know what I mean? But it's not like there's a, Hey guys, you need to play hard. Cause I went through this and they're just going to look at you and like, Shut. you know, there's, I think there's a right way to go yeah,
0: for sure. But um, there, there's no question that they would think that that is a fucking inspirational story, bro. I'm telling you right now, anybody hears that when you go through it yourself, you kind of downplay it. You don't think about it as much, but man, that's a big deal. And that story just somebody, one person could hear that. That maybe having the same thing, and just to know that what's possible, what can happen after. Never mind just living, but what can happen after that? It's amazing, and it's like I know you're a very modest guy, you've always been, but like, dude, that's that's a, it's. No, a, it's I appreciate amazing. it, man. I, like that's why
1: I said, like we were talking yeah. before. Like, I hope anything can help. For you sure. Know, yeah. Somebody, you know, when it's been publicized, but. You know, I'll say it on here. Kid uh, Shane Connicker, his brothers played with Tampa. uh, Corey Connicker, yeah, Uh, he plays in our league, and he was diagnosed in February. And it was like I found out, and like, how can I help you, man? Like, I know we battle, and our guys are trying to take your head off when we play you, but it's more important And I had To reach out to him and just let him know, you know, what I went through and he ended up coming back and playing at the end of the year, which was awesome. You know, like I was pumped to see him back playing against us and, you know, whether I helped him at all, you know, but it was just, you want to try and help people in those situations as you know, it's scary, especially at the initial when you don't really know what to, what's going
0: on. Well, people need that, that person to lean on, man. Like, you know, you've been through it. I feel like when you go through something like that, not that you have to, but like, it's almost like, someone needs that needs you to lean on, you know, and it's for sure. And it's like, because people, once they're dealt those cards, shit goes crazy in their brains. You know, it's like, and oh, sometimes weren't yeah. wired to be able to deal with it. Right. And it's, yeah.
1: Like, Cause you don't know until it happens to you. Nobody yeah. knows. Right. And then it happens and it's like, Holy smokes. Like how do you oh, deal yeah. with it?
0: Well, and it and it's like that when that happens, even somebody close to your family, because when you think about stuff, usually just happens to everybody else. It doesn't happen in your own backyard. And when it does, it's like, Ooh, wow, this is, but you're forced to deal with it. You're like, okay, wow, this is happening. But what am I going to do? Sit and cry about it? Or am I going to fucking figure it out or move forward? Right. And yeah, yeah it's definitely something, man, that's, that's that happens to so many people and people are faced with. And, you know, the more we talk about these things, the more it can help. And my next question is like, out of all that, out of such a promising career, doing so well, going through the junior ranks, college, dealing with cancer, dealing with all that, what was your number one takeaway or lesson that you took away from that experience and that you've been able to bring into your career now as a coach? and maybe just tell us about right now, about your journey with reading Royals and just kind of how you are and your daily approach and how that is, a, that's helped you.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the one thing is, is, is like, you talk about the adversity, like there's, there's always a chance, right? Like you can always, there's a, always a way to, you can always find a way to have success. And so a great example is, is our season. We just finished here and yeah, We were kind of, people had written us off with like 10 games to go and things weren't going well. We basically, with eight games to go, we basically had to win out. We basically had eight game sevens. Like if we lost the game, we were done. And we went 7-0-1 down the stretch. And we didn't get the help we needed. We lost out by a point. But, you know, I think our radio guy told me somewhere like like our chance of making the playoffs was like two point something percent. And I told him, like, I don't really care. Because if it says there's a 1% chance, that means we got a chance. So we're going to keep showing up every day. And all of a sudden, the last weekend, our chances weren't so bad anymore, right? We still needed some help. We had to win both our games. And we won the last game of the year, and we didn't know the results yet. But we thought we'd gotten in. We actually thought we did it. And the roof was going to come off the building. Like, it was awesome. And we got in there, obviously devastated that we lost. But for me as the coach, like – when I'm going into the room and I think my demeanor the players are going to feed off that. Right. If I come in and I'm negative and I'm head down, they're going to be, all right, we're done. And for me, it was easy to kind of this kind of experience. It was easy to go into the room with an attitude. Like, I don't care, you know, like, okay, so what our odds are stacked against us, big deal, right? Like we still got to win our games, right? Like we still, there's still a chance until somebody tells us we have to go home and I think that really helped me with my mentality as a coach in a situation where there's times where things get squirrely, you know, and, and there is adversity. And we played had a game this year where our, our goalie literally at 1.30 in the afternoon at a road game told us he couldn't play. And we had like one of those emergency backups coming into play for us. You hear about, well, now we had to play the emergency backup in a professional hockey game. We ended up in the game, 2-1 on the road. And like, our guys like in my head, I'm like, we might lose twenty to nothing to me. But it was okay, easy to kind of flip the switch in my head to go into the room in front of the guys and be like, we're gonna play and we're gonna battle and we're gonna find a way. You know what I mean? And and the goalie, you know, hopefully the guys took some confidence from my mentality, but I think a lot of it is is like, hey, you've been through something where everybody told you it couldn't be done and it's been done. So okay, we gotta win a hockey game. <laughs> Deep, right, like, yeah. so I'll go in and I'll oh, no problem going to the guys, and I won't say, "Hey, guys, like, this is my story." Like, blah blah blah. blah. Hey, like, trust me, I've seen like crazier things happen than winning this hockey. So yeah. let's go out and give ourselves a chance, right? And yeah. I think a lot of it is that that mentality that maybe I took from that, where you're going to be positive, right? right? Maybe maybe too positive, right? Like they're like, "Does he really think we're going to actually win?" <laughs> you know, or we're going to yeah. really do it, but. I think if you believe enough, then you're going to get other people to. Of course. I think that's half the battle um, where you see this in sports or in life is if you really believe you're going to do something. And I think you can pull a lot of people with you, with that mentality and not just being like, well, we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Like you've been, I, I think we've all been around people that are on the negative side or not just negative, but, you know, or in a leadership position where that you can tell they've given up, and it's like, what's everybody else going to do? Give up, right? And to me, until some, like I said, until somebody tells me I can't come to the rink and play games anymore, well, like there's still a chance. Right? Like, yeah. and crazier things have happened, and and you look around, and like I'm a hockey guy, so you look at nobody gave the Columbus Blue Jackets a chance. And they're still playing, and Tampa have tied the all time record. And it wasn't even close. The
0: playoffs have been insane. I know. But, like,
1: literally, I think there's probably, what, 24 people that thought Columbus had a chance to, to win? But it, it was the 24 guys in the dressing room. I picked
0: Columbus. them to get swept. I thought they were going to get swept. Well, you,
1: well, you picked, you at least you picked a sweep. But <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I thought they were going to get roasted, too. Like, I think, but like I said, the only people that mattered whether they believed or not is the guys in the dressing room. Exactly. I think like you're in Vancouver, but a lot of people give um, you know as his detractors. But I think if you hear that speech he gave after the first period, the cameras were in there. It was like, did you not want to get up and run through a wall after that? And yeah, he's from that first period on in the series. And yeah, he So he's the chief. And if all the other guys, if he really believes, and all the other guys, maybe maybe they don't really believe, but you can give them a, give them a reason, you know? And
0: Yeah. He, he's the kind of guy that if he's either, he either connects with the team and it's just like everybody's on board or fucking shit hits the fan everywhere. Like yeah. you know, he's yeah. like, he, I he love Torella. Torella. I love Torella. Yeah. I think he's, and I don't know, I was away in Australia when he was in Vancouver. I mean, I'm an Oilers fan anyway, but I'm not, not too proud of that these days, but. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I think he's great and I think he he inspires the right people, you know. And that thought that we were talking about, about belief in having faith in what you're doing in sports, especially, I wish we had that more installed in us when we were younger because we used to talk about visualization and believing, and I'd be like, that's fucking horse shit. I don't believe that. <laughs> about, right? I used yeah. to think like it didn't mean anything. And then now I look back and I'm like, oh man, it's so important. It's yeah. so important and how you can influence people through your energy. And because in, everybody's influencing, everybody's exchanging their influence, some sort of transaction daily. You know, every relationship has some sort of transaction of energy, right? And you're influencing yeah. people. And it's no different than when you're growing up playing on a team and how you're connecting with these people. It's all influence. Mm-hmm. And if you got a negative influencer sucking the life out of people, what do you think going to happen? It's
1: like, it's amazing how one one person or one thing can really drag a group down, or it can, yeah. one person or thing can really bring a team up, right? Like, or a group. Like, it doesn't it doesn't have to be sports or hockey, it's just like...
0: Yeah, just like, humans in and, general. And,
1: and it's amazing what the power of that, power of your attitude, really, yeah. is how important it is. Like, when you start to feel that confidence and that, like, you can't be stopped, it's it's, it's, momentum and momentum and belief are a crazy thing.
0: Yeah. That flow state when you're just like not thinking about it, it's coming from the heart. is amazing. This is a topic that, cause when we played coaching was different. Like, <laughs> coaching was hard asses. Like we played. And I remember when we got in a junior, when we were getting called up as 16 year olds, fuck man, you go and play junior B game and you would get, you would get abused. It was rough. Coaches were yelling. There's fights in the stands. It's a fucking free for all, man. And coaches back then, it was just so different, even growing up in minor hockey. That's what I knew, you know, headshots and all this kind of shit that doesn't fly anymore. How different? And I mean, your dad was a great coach. I loved your dad. He was, he fired me up, but he was a yeller, right? And that's the way they coached back then, right? Like all our coaches were like that. How different is your style now? And how have you had to change to adapt? And what's it like? for an outsider looking in like myself, who's not really in the game anymore, what's it look like at that level of the players? Is it still sort of like that or is your approach different to what it used to be?
1: Yeah. I think it's way different for every, for everybody. There's a reason why you're seeing a lot of these old school guys getting weeded out, even at, at every level, right? Like you're seeing the younger guys get opportunities and, it's not that you can't hold people accountable, but like, why get personal? Why yell and scream? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's times you are going to yell, but it's going to be like, Hey, your effort wasn't good enough. It's not because you're a bad person. Right. Yeah. And, but I think a lot of it comes from like guys just want an explanation. Like why am I doing something? Right. And the players still want to win. Like they want to be held accountable. They want structure. Like they want all this stuff. It's just, how do you do it with different? They just don't want to be treated like crap. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, do you like getting treated like crap and like being terrified. Like if you're terrified yeah. to make a play or terrified to make a mistake and whatever you do, are you going to be performing at your best?
0: That's the yeah. thing is like, that's all I knew growing up and that's all oh, we for thought. Sure. And like, now yeah. I'm like, man, if, if coaches didn't do that to us, like how different would it be? You know? Yeah. Like you
1: look now and I think the big thing I've noticed is like the kids have way more access to information. Right. Yeah. True they're listening to podcasts that like us right now and they're going on the internet and watching coaching clips of coach skill coaches. Like, I mean, I follow these guys on Instagram with skills coaches and I get drills from them.
0: Yeah. Right? Right, I'm not
1: going to sit here and say, I think of all this stuff on my own. Like, let's be honest here. We all steal information from other people, but the kids just want to say, Hey, it's not do this because I said so it's do this because I think it's going to help you have more success. Yeah. you know like okay, i don't want you to play defense because i told you to play defense i want you to play defense because i think you're gonna get the puck back faster and now you can go score a goal because that's the fun part so if we can get the puck faster then we can have more fun and make plays before it was just like my defense dump the puck in because if you don't i'm gonna not play you and i mean i played for a coach and pro who was as old school as it gets and uh terrifying guy like, yeah. i was terrified of this guy and uh but you were terrified to make a mistake. Like you couldn't yeah. play with any confidence. And if you were a young guy, you got treated like garbage. And if you were a veteran guy, you could do whatever you want. So yeah. all of a sudden it's like all the young guys resent the coach because they can see that there's a different set of rules for half the team. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like does everybody get treated fairly? I think they should be, but you're not all going to get treated the same. Yeah. You know, and I think the guys understand that, but they just, you need to be able to hold everybody accountable. Maybe it's some guys get more leeway, but it can't be okay, country club for the old guys and yeah. it's boot camp every day for the young guys to teach. Like I think you can teach kids to be pros in ways that's not just yelling and screaming. And they're so prepared even at our level. Like these kids are playing high level. They're you know, coming from big time college programs or they're coming from big time junior programs and they've been coached and they're prepared. So when they get there, you don't need to be yelling at them. Like, yeah kids are so prepared now that it's more about helping them get better because they're taking care of themselves already i think a lot of that mindset when we were younger is because there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis or there's it was starting to but compared to now it wasn't that much emphasis on the off off-face stuff it was just you better be in shape whereas now these kids like know everything about the office stuff so you don't have to babysit them because they're going to them over and egg yeah. and stuff like that we've actually like now it's like, hey guys, it's okay to go have a beer every once in a while and get to know your teammates. Whereas before it was like, stop having beers all the time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's almost the complete opposite. And I feel like you just gotta be able to like talk with nice. Like, yeah, like for me, like when practice starts or we have video or a game, we're serious. It's okay to joke around and have fun at the rank. Like you can work hard and have fun. Right. And I think a lot of that mindset when we were playing was like, if you're working hard, you have to be serious all the time. And it's like no fun. If you have too much fun, it means you're not working hard or you're not, you don't care.
0: Right? Yeah. Whereas, like, I
1: think now the mindset's shift. It's like, it's okay to have fun. Well, that's part of it. Like if you're having fun and feeling good, you're probably going to be able to have more success and make plays. And I mean, just, you're right. like, it's so different. It really is. Like I'm not old. Like I played six years old, right? Like yeah. it, I was playing in 2013, but there has been a culture shift even in that. Of time that I've seen yeah. In I- a bad way. Like, I don't like it when guys are like, Oh, well, it was better when I played. Why? Because you punched in the head and, and your coach yelled at you and, and you got, had to worry about getting your head taken off every game? Like, yeah, that was <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: that. The,
1: games change. the games change, right? Like, I, I was 16. I remember some guy jumping me from Penticton. He was like 240 pounds. He was 20 years old. He's like, I'm fighting you. I'm like, no. He's like, yeah, I am. So you can decide what you're going to do. I'm like, I'm 16. Why yeah. am I worried about fighting this guy right now? That
0: yeah. was a
1: big kid for 16. But still, like why am I worrying about that? Like
0: you shouldn't have to. And that's the thing. And like even junior, man, that was the fear. Like, go out. Like, I remember going to the one of the camps that we went to, and like they'd be like, You go fight him, you go fight them. Yeah, they'd be sending <laughs> fights up like, at of the game. I don't it want to like, say who it was, but <laughs> like, I would mean, be like you look back, you're like, Man, that's insane. That's insane. I know. Like, I yeah. remember being going out, we're just even in playing in BCHL. And like some of the fights and brawls I'd have, I'd be called up for Pal River, and we go play Nanaimo, and it was like, man, it was it was like you were back in the seventies. Well, you know what I mean. You were on the salsa. It was, it was yeah, really chaotic, man. Like there was line go out there unless you're going to knock somebody's head off. Like, yeah,
1: like, like it was like if you didn't fight, there was like you couldn't play. Like every it didn't matter if you had a hundred points or you had five. Like you had to, you had to, everybody had to be able to fight and go. Like it was like, crazy. and now it's like there's no fights in there. like people think of our league as like back in the is a gong show. Like there's no fights. Like yeah these sometimes like it'd be nice if everybody was like a little mm-hmm. bit meaner. Like I don't, it doesn't have to be a line for all, but a little bit of pushback. And it's just like, but at the same time, like there shouldn't be fighting in junior where kids are kids. Like, and like, yeah. why are we, why is that okay? You know, and we need to evolve, but these kids come to pro now. They didn't have, they've never had to deal with that. So they're not going to fight in pro. So, yeah. Why are you going to suddenly flip a switch at 22 years old? And I'm, I'm going mean, to go, faces for a living? Like, yeah, no, because so. they didn't grow up with it. Where we were like at 14, my first fight was at that Spokane camp we went to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, got I think you dummied the guy too. Oh, he dummied me. I ended up with 14 stitches on Did my you? forehead. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> beat the wheels off you of You were me. a tough fucker, man. Like you were a sol- You were like a rock back then. And you still like, yeah. you know, are, but you were just like, I remember even in minor hockey, man, you were just like a tank. Just like running through guys. Like,
1: <laughs> I think I got my, I think I hit my growth spurt like after first year Bantam and I put on like 50 pounds. Just <laughs> like six,
0: I remember when, when me and you, we never got to play with each other in junior, which is too bad, but man, in, in minor hockey and Bantam, we dominated together, man. Like, I think we were on a line together for that whole season. Yeah. We like, we were unbelievable. Yeah, man. If we got to play together more, like as we got older, it would have been great, but I ended up not going, I should have stayed with the salsa route gone where you guys went. you guys ended up almost winning the whole thing that year. Well, we won it my
1: first year there, which would have been 2001.
0: Yeah, you went to the RBC, right?
1: No, we didn't go. We lost to uh, Alberta and like (sighs) that Pacific Regional or whatever. We beat Merritt in game seven and then Siglet ran out of gas. He was so good.
0: I was so jealous of you guys, man, because I went to Powell River instead to go through to try. I don't know what I was thinking, man, but I remember seeing like you guys, Hammy, and all you guys – Got, like, the regular lineup, and I was like, fuck. I was, like, watching you guys go. and What's
1: there? Oh, man.
0: was
1: there. Who else?
0: Such a solid squad, man. Yeah, it yeah, so, was fun. That Green Tree was there. Hamilton. Ben Ben King. Ben King. Hamilton, later on, man, he developed. When I was playing with him in Merritt, he just took off, man, and just turned yeah.
1: worse. Yeah, he was good, even in pro. Yeah. They against each other for one or two years. Yeah. You're still good. Living in Charleston, South Carolina. He's got it figured
0: out. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah, he is. He's doing well, man. He's doing well. Yeah, bro. Well, man, I love chatting with you here, man. I, um, I could chat with you about hockey all day and I love what you're doing and I want to make sure that everybody can check you out. Where's the best place to find if they want to follow you, Instagram, Facebook, or what's your uh, best site?
1: My Twitter is kmcdonald13, I believe. Let me confirm that Yeah. one second here. I, nobody's have, ever asked that question. We'll
0: have everything in the show notes. Well, I, I want people to follow you. Yeah,
1: that. kmcdonald13. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's your Twitter?
0: You got yeah. Instagram yeah. and Facebook?
1: Uh, Facebook, I don't know my name okay, okay. And then <laughs> and what's then, your- my instagram's the same handle as my twitter
0: is it reading com?
1: reading royals i believe it's
0: RoyalsHockey.com. i said reading by accident sorry Reading. Uh,
1: that's all right that's okay <laughs> like the reading railroad like in monopoly that's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's the city yeah well it is the city in monopoly on the monopoly board yeah that's it awesome hockey.com
0: awesome man Make sure you guys check him out Kirk McDonald he's an inspiring guy he's doing great we're going to see him in the NHL in the next few years coaching I know it he's <laughs> going to see that smiling face bro what's I got one question I always ask everybody for the last question before we wrap it up it's going to be a bit of it's not a hard one it's an easy one what's one tip that you can give to everybody listening to overcome adversity to go on to either go get through struggle or go on to achieve a better life or whatever it is they're doing? What is one tip that you could give? Ooh, uh,
1: you know, that's a great question. I I really think it's you know, self-belief. Somebody's going to tell you, you can't do it, you know, but I think at the end of the day, if you really believe, like I said, kind of earlier, like you're going to give yourself a chance. Right? Like, yeah. Everything really always going to work out. I think if you keep persevering and working, like, Usually the people that have success just want to work harder than everybody else right? and, and believe in that. And, and that's, for me, is a big, big thing at that, that mindset of, Hey, I'll, I'll find a way, whether it's in whatever you're doing in life, you know, like it's, it's easy to get negative and get knocked down and feel like, Hey, this isn't going to work. But I've had times where I'm coaching and you're you're feeling real negative and it's that mindset. Like it's sometimes things aren't going to go your way, but I think finding that will to keep going because people are going to doubt you. But I think as long as you believe in yourself, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to have success.
0: Awesome, man. That's perfect. Great way to finish off. I love it. It was so great to have you on, man. I'm really grateful to be able to uh, have this chat and to bring you on and make sure you guys check them out. We're going to have all the information in the show notes. Appreciate all you guys. Have an amazing day. Thanks so much, bro.
1: I appreciate it, man. This was awesome.
0: Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Tell us what you thought. Tell us how it impacted you. I really appreciate it. Kirk's an awesome guy. He's in the hockey world, and he's doing some amazing things. I'm so excited to see his journey and where it goes. So appreciate you all. Have an amazing day, and we'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.